0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the World Series of Politics Podcast, where two heavy hitters in the political, legislative, and regulatory space take swings at the curveballs thrown at the gaming sector by legislators and regulators around the world for IGV. We've got Brendan Bussman and Grant Iden stepping up to the plate to discuss the hot topics in this space from across the world. Let's play ball on another episode of the World Series of Politics.
1: Welcome back to another World Series of Politics. I'm your host, Brent Iden, along with my co-host and good friend, an industry hero in my mind, uh, Mr. <laughs> Brendan Bussman. Brendan, uh, great to be back on the show uh, for another fun-filled week. We're coming up on G2E. We have got a lot of things happening, don't we? Absolutely.
0: Uh, and, and the feeling is mutual. You are also my industry hero over this. A lot of love. A uh, lot of love well,
1: here today. Well, there's a lot of love. <laughs>
0: Big love fest amongst the, amongst the World Series of Politics, you know. Uh, they always say in politics, uh, they're, they're, it's, it's love and war in politics. Uh, and there's just a lot of that on this show. So, you know, it's great.
1: It, it is great. And we have an exciting show. Uh, we are going to kick it off with some news, obviously, coming out of Brazil. We ended the last episode uh, handicapping what we thought would happen in Brazil. It turns out, I think we were right. What do you think, Brendan? Uh,
0: absolutely, we were right, which is what we, you know, try to do most of the time. Uh, over everything. We knew there'd be a runoff or we thought there'd likely be a runoff. Uh, obviously, we'll head to the end of October now at this point to see um, on October 30th who ends up on top uh, between the sitting uh, and incumbent president and the former president uh, amongst the way that, you know, has resurrected himself from jail and everything else uh, in a very divisive um you know, political contest down in Brazil that arguably has impact over how uh, gaming may or may not proceed forward, Um, you know, both in the short and long term, dealing with everything from the existing lotteries down there to what, you know, some hope to do in integrated resorts. And, you know, you saw the fodder back and forth afterwards after the uh, uh, results came over on Sunday and into our Monday of uh, election fraud and the ability to uh, you know look at uh, what what the polls really meant and what they said and how people outperformed or didn't perform or all of that, which you're going to see all that again. It sort of reminds me of what we have happening in the United States half the time with our election. You know, about five weeks out from from this week, a uh, little bit less. But uh, you know, it's one of those going. Hey, um, it's anybody's ball game
1: at this point, and we'll see what happens. But uh, gaming looms in the balance. Well, let me ask you a question about that, because I was thinking about that as well. So, obviously, uh, incumbent President Bolsonaro has been sort of holding up this. You know, we've been waiting and waiting on these sports betting regulations. This conversation has continued. Do you think in the event that Bolsonaro is victorious at the end of the month, that he continues to hold these up for some evangelical uh, reasons. Obviously, he's a very religious guy. He talks a lot about the churches. There's uh, social ills associated with gaming. So we know he's not a huge fan of gaming. Do you think that that impacts potentially the rollout, or do you really think that this just all comes down to politics? And the reason that this has been held up is simply because uh, the president knows he's got to get through this election first and, and consolidate his base on the right.
0: Well, I, I'm going to give the political answer because I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. So surprise, uh, surprise uh, here. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I'm not the recovering politician here, amongst uh, the two. Yeah, thank us. you, thank you. That's right. Uh, you know, but, but but I say this knowing this. Yes, he has held this up. Yes, he has deep alert religious concerns and and a host of other things. Um, but I think you know, there's there's also the the what if that happens that I've talked to some of my stakeholders down there off of, which is if he's defeated, that the Senate then has the free clear path before to go forward and make this happen sometime in November uh, to be able to do. So, you know, I think there's a lot of what-if situations here, you know, and, and this is where does he hold it up, doesn't it? I think something moves after. But the question then becomes is, is this another market? And I always use Japan as the example, which I love the Japanese and everything else, but, you know, when I got into this industry in 2004, it was the next emerging market. Here we are in 2022. Japan is still the next emerging market. And Brazil's basically followed the same pattern, which is we just haven't gotten a consensus over where we want to go until it's gotten to a point that said, hey, we got to do this and jump in. That point will come. It's just a matter of what all's include. Does the sports betting regs get done? How does lottery go? How do we deal with all the the, the illegal machines throughout the country? And do they want true investment? And are they going to put forward a regulatory environment that allows people to do it?
1: Well, and I know you and I talk about taxes a lot on this show. The other thing, which I think we can't take off the table, is that they're looking at a very high, not only tax rate, but regulatory fee structure in Brazil. And I think that that also it as we head into, you know, a a recession that some have used that word uh, or their, you know, global downturn. um, Obviously, uh, governments are going to be looking for revenue. And I think that, uh, you know, this could potentially be a revenue option for them, especially if they you know what i would call exorbitant rates that they're looking to charge um especially compared to some of the us markets but i i just think that that is another factor that we cannot dismiss uh when when we look at trying to whether or not we handicap this thing probably hopefully getting done q1 2023
0: well and as you talk about that and and i've been on record already of using the r word because we've been in an r word uh recession you know for what i what i would say is i mean a technical recession already Uh, you know, I look at where we're headed with, uh, everything else. And if we're not good, God, I don't know what the definition of a recession is anymore as it relates to pure economics. Uh, but this is something we've been in for at least a quarter or two. Um, and that is an opportunity, um, over everything, but it also can't be killing the golden goose. Uh, you know, yes, Brazil has high rates and everything else. No, they're not New York state rates, uh, over everything. But uh, they're high and people are going to look for gaming, but it provides other opportunities for the industry um, as we look at stuff down the way uh, of where we can move in other jurisdictions to make stuff happen. The question just becomes, do you set up the right regulatory environment and do you set up uh, enough of an incentive to make it work for people or do you tax them to death and it doesn't matter? Man,
1: it's like you've done this before. What a great transition because we're going to talk about iGaming. (laughs) And so this is a great opportunity to do that. Obviously, we've seen a lot of conversation recently about Indiana, uh, iGaming in particular. I know that there's been a number of different market studies that have uh, perpetrated the market now and been out there for a number of years. We've seen some new ones. We've seen some old ones come back. I think that the conversation, though, around that word recession and around governments needing dollars that they haven't needed before. And here's what's really important is that, remember, all throughout COVID, the pandemic, the federal government has been propping up state governments. And so I just want to pivot stateside here for just a minute and then talk about, you know, the studies that are out there, Indiana, iGaming. Do we see a push for iGaming across the country, in particular, Indiana this year, uh, simply because we know that governments are going to be looking for uh, new ways to find revenue?
0: No, absolutely. And, and that's where, you know, I think people were somewhat disappointed last year that you didn't see a lot more movement. But, you know, when you're handing out dollars like candy uh, and propping things up and, and partially reason, one of the reasons why we're using the R word is because of that uh, over everything, there's going to be states that, you know, um, especially when states look at gaming not as an economic development engine and not as a job creator, but purely a revenue line of the budget, of how do we figure out how to get more out of, out of them with it. Now, that said, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of studies. There were a couple studies last year. There's two most recently, um, one that was general when it came to iGaming, um, the other that was specific to the Indiana market uh, that, you know, was limiting the spectrum off of that uh, a little bit. But, the uh, you know, the fact of the matter is the biggest thing that's going to matter off of this is tax rate. And when it comes to it, and I know everybody continues to hear about this, but, you know, when you go in with a study, and I'm thinking of the global one that went with this, uh, global for U.S., and I say that, is they put the floor at 20%. That's 5% too high. You know, if you actually look at the economics of this, anything above 15% takes out the innovation, takes out the reinvestment, and doesn't look at the true economics. And it becomes, you know, now if we're putting the floor at 20%, that means states are going to come in at 25 I remember when I legalized table games back in Pennsylvania uh, in the in the Great Recession because guess what, Commonwealth needed money. They started off at twenty two percent for that tax rate. Now I started off at eight uh, as part of that effort. Uh, we compromised at fourteen for three years with the Full Lobbyist Employment Act that said it was going to drop to twelve, which it never has dropped to
1: twelve. But that's why you and I have jobs and why we that's continue right. to work forward. So. Well, you you make an interesting point, and I I do—I would be remiss if I didn't bring up—I remember the day after uh, I passed the iGaming bill in Michigan, and it had been a very long night. uh, You know, this was a week before Christmas, and you were the first call that I received, uh, obviously, and you reminded me, you said, well— Brent, uh, fair job on the bill. And I said, fair job. And you said, yeah, you know, that uh, that floating gaming tax rate up to 23% is awfully high in the market. And so I will never forget the uh, immediate criticism that came from my industry hero, Brendan Bushman. Not, not, hey, great job, just, you know, that tax rate's awfully high, I Hey, you know, I've always been honest. I've always been straightforward. Uh,
0: you know, I don't know what else to say, but I've always been consistent when it comes to tax rates. You've and, been consistent on the messaging. That I give you. That and, the, I give you. And, and as I always said, and as people learned over the years, yeah, I'm a low-tax guy, but I'd rather be a no-tax guy. But that's okay. I know it's part of the process. I know it's part of everything. Uh, I get it. But we need to look at the economics off of it and how it works. But, you know, it's also about setting up the right regulatory environment along the way. And whether that's Indiana or New York or anything else, you know, where I also sit there and look at is what's happening north of the border here in the United States and Ontario of, you know, their most recent announcement on, hey, guys, if you've been operating here in in the in the black or the gray, whatever you want to shade of gray, you want to do it. um, You got to get done by the end of the month or, hey, we're calling it a day with you. What, What are you thinking off of, you know, what's happening up there?
1: Yeah, so that's, you know, talking about iGaming in that particular market. The AGCO basically released a statement yesterday that said a white paper that just basically said by the 31st of October, those gray market uh, illegal operators need to fold into the regulated market if they want to do business uh, in Ontario. Now, what's interesting is that if you look at that, there's really no specifics as to what happens if. They don't fold into the market, which I think is really interesting. They say, you know, suppliers as well as operators can only do business with those that are regulated in the marketplace. That's interesting, but there's really no penalties. And again, how do you enforce this illegal activity? There's a conversation we continue to have in the U S as well about offshore operators infiltrating the U S market. These conversations continue to occur. and But the question is, what are you going to do about it? First and foremost, however, all that being said, the one thing that I do see that has been very positive is that, although it's been kind of a clunky um, process, uh, and that's a nice word, I will I will say clunky <laughs> process in Ontario. Um, it, operators are folding into the market. And, you know, I mean, you, you got to bring up the pinnacle deal, right? I mean, you know, here you've got uh, an offshore uh, operator coming in, wants to be regulated, wants to fold into the market. And so it is working in some, in some way, albeit clunky, it is working. No, and and that's what you want. You want
0: people to be able to come in that say, hey, I want to do business right. Hey, I want to be able to go after this and do this and, and go from the 50 shades of gray into white um, to be able to do that. And you need to give them the opportunity. Now, the the thing I would give pushback to is it's a hell of a lot easier to do that before you launch and put everybody on the same playing field and put in the parameters to say, hey, here's what happens if you operate outside of this. And, you know, as you talked about, the report doesn't necessarily give the consequences to say, hey, here's what's happening. And the question then becomes is, hey, if you're a supplier in this market and you don't know you're supplying because it's a hand-me-down through a different route that they're using the data, it could end up being a problem for everybody. So it's one of those, and I say that both land and 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 online as we look at this, because, you know, there's, there's other things that come into play in some of these land-based markets that equipment comes into play. It got sold off somewhere else, and you got X, you know, vendors' machines sitting in the market going, hey, so-and-so's operating in X market in a gas station. Well, it's not legal. Well, how did it get there and how do we do that? And that's why you just got to put parameters and regulate it out of the gate.
1: That's a great point. That's And that's maybe why I use the word clunky a little bit. We'll see how this continues to unfold. October 31st is the date in Ontario. And I'm sure uh, by November, we will have more to report on this show. We've got about a minute left. And I think we got to move west real quick and talk about California. Obviously, polling coming out sort of daily on, on Prop 26 and 27 now. Uh, how do you handicap it, Brendan? Uh, I think I know where I'm at. I don't think either of them uh, muster past the 35% favorable mark, but where are you at? Well,
0: you know, I I mean, I'll I'll give a little bit of credence to 26 a little bit, and the only reason I say that uh, is it wasn't the one that that has been consistently under 50% with the negatives. If you're over 50% on the negatives, good luck to you. Uh, you know, unfortunately, as we both know, there's been a ton of money spent on this race uh, for, for both initiatives. It's the highest of anything. Um, and, you know, it's, it's all for naught. And obviously, I think at this point, uh, neither pass. Um, but, uh, you know,
1: the question but then flavored, becomes but flavored, tobacco to pro- flavored tobacco products will likely pass They're Also <laughs> on the ballot in California So gaming goes down Flavored tobacco potentially passes uh, Hey, Brennan, it's been great catching up We're going to be at G2E We're going to be recording live at G2E next week So we'll have more from the show there Thanks for joining in on another episode of the World Series of Politics With Eid and Brendan Bussman We'll see you in, in Vegas
0: You've been listening to the World Series of Politics podcast with Brendan Bussman and Brent Iden. We'll be back on field very soon. This has been an IGB production. For the latest news, views, analysis, and data on the global gaming industry, head to iGamingBusiness.com.